This is no, this is the media majors podcast. Stop singing! Stop singing with the beat. This is media majors. I'm Liam Senior. This is Tom Lockney. Tom, Jesus Christ! This is the this is the this is the theme. This is going to be the theme of the podcast, and you are singing over it. Never. This is media majors. Well, this is the last day of the world. Yeah, literally the final day. And it's fitting that we should be together before it. Mm-hmm. Liam, it's like I can see your pores. Yeah, it's <laughs> poor time. That old chestnut. Uh, it's now a running gag. Yep. Welcome to the last media majors recorded under the Barack Obama administration. Yeah, literally, we're recording this on January 19th. Well, Welcome to a, a solemn episode of media majors. Yeah, wow, really sending off, sending off America with broken hearts. And broken <laughs> promises. <laughs> On this boulevard of broken dreams. I was literally, are you fucking shitting me? I was just about to say that. Oh, well, that's, you know, here, look at, listen, everybody. But do you understand? We can't walk a lonely road together. Yep. (laughs) It's a paradox. But you know what? It's fitting that we should. Don't touch me. (laughs) (laughs) It's fitting. I'm sorry. I I stand by that the funniest thing you could ever say is when someone touches you and you, without, just go, don't fucking touch. That's nothing funnier than that. You know what, you're right. But it's fitting that we should be here together for mm-hmm. the end of the world. Time. Yes. This is Media Majors, a storytelling podcast about major media. My name is Tom Lockney. And my name is Liam Sr. I like stories about movies and TV shows and general Hollywood mishaps. And I like, you know... Some comical farces from the internet and games culture. Liam, I believe that you are going first this week. I am. My story is called The Mystery of Paul Byrne. Jean Harlow was born Harleen Harlow Carpenter on March 3rd, 1911. She was an American film actress and sex symbol of the 1930s. Mm. Golden Age. You know, back when Betty White was <laughs> not alive. <laughs> Listeners, Google it and find out. Yeah, you know, we don't know. I don't care. Um, after being signed by, not director Howard Hughes, producer Howard Hughes, mm. Harlow's first major appearance was in Hell's Angels, uh, which she got through the help of screenwriter Paul Byrne. Okay. What's, uh, oh, what's Hell's Angels about? What is that film? Hell's Angels in the 30s, I think, was about... Um, here, let me look it up. Uh, ah, it was a war movie. A World War One movie, obviously. Oh, okay. She starred in that, and then she became a leading lady for MGM and was in a string of hits such as Red Dust, Dinner Date, Reckless, and Susie. And her frequent co-stars included William Powell, Spencer Tracy, and six-time screen partner Clark Gable. So she was, like, oh, okay. with the big wigs. Yeah, yeah, brushing shoulders with the big dicks. <laughs> it's true. Everyone had shoulders on their dicks. Yeah. No, dicks on their... Edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fun times. So Paul Byrne was a German-born American film director and screenwriter and producer for MGM. And he helped launched the career of Jean Harlow. He was incredibly crucial to it. He was the only person who treated her as an actual person and believed that she had talent, really lobbied for her to get this career off the ground, and it worked. And he would start taking her to Hollywood nightclubs, like as his date, and people would be like, what the fuck? Because there was a 21-year age difference. 
and he was kind of nothing to write home about, and she was like a beauty queen, hmm. and also 20. Well, you know what they say, honey, age ain't nothing but a number. It's a very important number, as we've said before. <laughs> I hate people who say that. Um, age is just a number that signifies the, the fucking life minutes that you've spent on the planet Earth. Yeah. People are like, age is arbitrary, and they're like, nope, it's not about where you're going, it's about where you're from. So common wisdom decreed it would never last. This was just like a step on the ladder for this actress. She, you know, she was gonna marry all, get multiple marriages with all the famous kids. Yeah, you um, know, find herself a tall, dark, and handsome man. However, or men, they married very early into their courtship in the bride's mother's home. Well, good for them. I'm... Two days after he proposed, oh, they actually were very much in love. That's very sweet. They unfortunately were unable to take time from their work schedules for any sort of honeymoon. They just assumed they would do it later. Yeah. They never would. No. Oh. Unfortunately. He died, didn't he? Died of old so, man disease, didn't he? No. Harlene! Harlene, I'm so old! He's only 42, which back God. then, yeah, that was... God, I'm so old, I've smoked so many <laughs> cigarettes. Speaking of which, can you pass me my Marl Burrows? I love this character. Arlene! <laughs> 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 Listeners, that was a 100% real cough. That voice just did a real number on me. Sorry, continue with your story. I'm weeping now. So they found Paul Byrne's body in their home with a bullet hole in his head. <gasps> Holy shit! Wait, no, not suicide! And there was a suicide note. Oh! Harleen, my dearly beloved! <laughs> by the time you... I should not be yeah. joking about a man's Especially suicide. because here's the... Well... Here's where things get strange. <laughs> so the suicide oh. note said, dearest dear, dot, dot, dot. Unfortunately, this is the only way to make good the fretful wrong I have done you and wipe out my abject humility. I love you, Paul. P.S. You understand that last night was only a, com a comedy. That sounds like a, a spam bot. Right? Hello, sir! <laughs> so it was barely two months after their wedding day on the 5th of September, 1932, when Bird's naked body was discovered lying in the front of the full-length mirror in his wife's bedroom by his butler. Bird had been shot in the head with a .38 caliber revolver that lay beside him. Liam, let me say something. The butler did it. No. Oh. Ah, oh, <laughs> shucks. His body was drenched in Mitsoku, his wife's favorite perfume. Instead of calling the police, the butler Kinky. phoned the MGM Studios, who contacted head of security, who contacted studio heads Louis B. Mayer and Irving Thalberg, who, without notifying the authorities, sped to the couple's Benedict Canyon home. So they were, like, gonna call the police later. The okay. heads of the studio... <laughs> Great fucking names, by the way. Anybody who says that white people don't have dope-ass names. Well, Irving <laughs> Thalberg was uh, not born here, I believe. Yeah. That has a bit of the old country to it. So, Jean Harlow at this time was at her mother's house, had, having been sent there by her husband so that she could study scripts. So the police were notified two hours after everyone met up at the scene of the crime. Mm, that's no ideally one when, when you want to be notified. Yeah. Yeah, it makes your job so much easier. No one knows what took place during those two hours, 
and it is now un- unlikely that any new evidence will be unearthed to shed light on the mystery. What do you think happened, Liam? Well, oh, there is a thing that we need to go over. This got weird, like really weird. The Pissing inquest, on the body. The... licking the body, coming on the body, okay, not coming that. on each other, licking each other in front of the body. Are you done? Yes. The inquest that followed. Actually, Bert... actually, wait. Pooping on the body. Ah, oh, you got it. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, I knew I'd get it eventually. Just kidding. The inquest that followed Byrne's untimely death ruled that Byrne had suffered from a physical infirmity that made it impossible for him to make love to his wife. The comedy to which Byrne referred to in the notes postscript was believed to be a reference to what was their final tryst, during which he tried to fool his wife into believing he was making love to her by wearing a realistic dildo. There is no actual evidence of that happening. <laughs> what? But for some reason... That's the story. That's what came up out of this inquest. That's what they the cops put together. Old timey cops are seem the like best. they were like the best at their jobs. Can't you see? It was obviously a suicide. He fucked her with a dildo and killed himself. Clearly. <laughs> However, something else that happened during the inquest was that a re- previous relationship was unearthed. Oh. Byrne lived for many years with a woman named Dorothy Millett mm. in both New York and Toronto. She killed him. Although the couple were not married, she would often refer to himself, herself as Mrs. Paul Byrne. And in 1920, Byrne bequeathed everything to her in a will that he had drawn up. Whoa! However, Millett was a struggling actress, Whoa. was mentally frail. Liam, this just got fucking juicy. Hold on, it gets better. Her institutionalization in a sanatorium marked the end of her and Burns' relationship. Oh my God! Wait, was this? Was she? Well, we know that mentally ill people were treated like fucking garbage, right? Um, but she was, she... was released, and as late as March 1932, Burn was in contact with her. So was she? Was she actually mentally unstable, or was this just like women hysteria? The we'll, 30s. We'll get into that. Okay, interesting. The day after Burns' death. Millet checked out of the Plaza Hotel in which she'd been staying on Byrne's recommendation and bought a ticket on the Delta King Riverboat, which shuttled between San Francisco and Sacramento. This was the, this is Dorothy. This was his, who I think technically in New York law would be his common law wife. Oh. And the day after he died, she drowned herself in the river. Whoa. Her body was found by fishermen two weeks later. Holy shit. Jean Harlow paid for the funeral. Whoa. What the fuck? So she she defo knew, right? That what? Gene defo knew that. Oh, he told her. He didn't. Their relationship oh. was done. Like when she was institutionalized, they broke up. Oh. But he had been in contact with her because they lived together for so long. Okay. And he like helped her move. And like, so what happened was just like, these were two good people who found each other. There was a bit of an age difference. And one of them had oh. dated a crazy person. Okay, so yeah, I kept expecting. You know what? I I hear we, you tell me on this on this program. You tell me so many sordid stories that have you know backstabbing and conniving. So I assumed there was some sort of like lovers quarrel here. But I'm glad to no. hear. I'm glad to hear that I was wrong. What it seemed that happened was that Dorothy was not mentally well. She she killed herself because after killing him. Yeah. They think that she killed him. Oh, I thought 
that Whoa! he killed himself. I thought he killed himself no. and that she was so grief-stricken. So, so one thing that they that they talk about is that Jean Harlow was super confused by the suicide note. Like she had no idea what it was referring to. Oh. They didn't have a big fight the night before. There was he didn't like make a fool of himself the night before. It was just a super normal night. Interesting. And she was like, I've never been called dearest dear. Like that's not yeah. anything. I don't know what that is. Interesting. So Wow. Whoa. Okay, wait. Then there was a twist. You zigged and then you zagged. I think you've just been drinking. <laughs> you know what? That is <laughs> Also true. The biggest twist was alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) So after a year after the inquest into Paul Byrne's death, Byrne Fitz, amazing white guy name, the crooked district attorney who handled the inquest, right? The guy who was like, uh, clearly he fucked her with a fake (laughs) dildo or just a dildo. I don't even know. I don't know what a dildo is. I'm Burn Fitz. Um, was subject to the grand jury investigation, investigated by Superior Court Judge Fletcher Brown, um, because see, Burn Fitz and his sister had sold a worthless orange grove to a real estate developer named John P. Mills at a grossly inflated. Sis, I know how we're gonna make it big. How we gonna make it big? Oh, we're gonna make it big. I'm gonna get this jewel, this orange. So you called it. It was an orange grove. Grove, not a cyst. I got this orange grove. (laughs) You were about to say, in a little improv bit that you started, (laughs) you were about to say, I've got an orange cyst. Listen. Can you imagine what I would have to do with that? Where do I go from there? Liam, as you've mentioned, I have been drinking. But sis, (laughs) I got this orange grove. I got this orange grove and we're going to, I got this sap. I got this patsy lined up. Okay, so. Oh, God. Not being very kind to my voice tonight. Yeah. Fitz sued the owner, the developer of the Orange Grove, and then he countersued, and they looked into each other, and then they were like, Burn Fitz was like, I'm friends with the guy who runs MGM, and then the guy was like, I'll drop the case if I can, like, hang out with you guys. (laughs) Nice. So when they investigated into Fitz, it actually shed new light on Paul Burns' death. Burn Gardner, a man named Davis, stated that he believed Burns' death was murder and that the mm. butler who discovered Burns' body did it. had lied about what happened. Because he did it. The butler claimed that he had overheard Burn talking about suicide more than once and that Burn and Harlow were always extremely affectionate uh, toward one Which brother. was his alibi because the butler did it. The Gardner's testimony directly contradicted the butler's version. The couple mm. rarely showed affection to each other, claimed Davis. Uh, claimed Davis, and he had never heard Burn talk about suicide. Interesting. You know what all this ends up to, I think, Liam? What? The butler did it. Okay, he did. <laughs> the Davis Davis also claimed to have found a small puddle of blood by the swimming pool near to Burns' favorite chair. Mm. But whose blood was it? The butler. The but, yeah, the butler had his period on the pool. <laughs> <laughs> it was his moon times. The testimony of Irene Harrison, Burns' secretary, like concurred, a stuck pig. <laughs> <laughs> who's like a stuck pig? The butler, because he's having his period. <laughs> Do stuck pigs bleed? What's a stuck pig? A stuck pig? Like a pig with its head on a stick? Like a pig that's been stabbed. Oh, is that an th- expression? Yeah. What's Bleed this? like a stuck pig? Jesus. Yeah. I think only rapists say that. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> the testimony of Irene Harrison, Byrne's secretary, concurred with that of the gardener. She claimed Harlow had pursued Byrne, and he had been a somewhat reluctant suitor. 
and uh, was kind of nervous because I think he liked her because she was real pretty. Aww. And he was like, but I'm old. Um, and then Burns Cook, Winifred Carmichael, the names. God, I'm so old, but I want that young pussy. Oh, Viagra's not going to be invented for another 40 years at least. You sound like SpongeBob when he needs water. Oh, Sandy, water. That sounds sounds (laughs) like You're gonna get polyps. I'm gonna call you Jackson Polyp. Hey. Uh, Burns Cook Winifred Carmichael claimed that she saw a strange that that most of the staff saw a strange woman on the grounds on the night of Burns' death. Carmichael said she heard an unfamiliar woman's voice and a scream, and that later she found a woman's wet swimsuit by the swimming pool near two empty glasses. Wet in what way? Uh, from swimming pool water. Oh, okay. Despite these new revelations, Burns' death was still ruled to be a suicide. Uh, five years later, after his death, Harlow died of kidney failure. Uh, she had scarlet fever as a kid, and it would do damage to her kidneys. So oh. she was, she died at, like, 26. No, oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, total bummer. Jesus, that's only four years older than me, three years than you. So there are a lot Yikes. of rumors that the real cause of Burns' death was concealed during the two hours that the studio persons were alone with the body. That Millette had killed him, or it was possibly Harlow, and then was spirited away by MGM. There was a rumor that the note was fake and written after Burns' death to deflect suspicion. There was too much about Burns' death left unexplained, and there's really nothing they can do about it. Oh. So then in 1960, a screenwriter named Ben Heck, uh, who also claimed that Burns was murdered. That is one of the lesser-known crazy mur- crazy suicides of Hollywood. What would they have to gain by... by- Concealing the murder for two hours. That's so bizarre. Why would you do that? I don't know. But it's likely that whatever had happened, I think from the what the staff saw, he might have been having an affair with Dorothy. Oh, see, that's what I thought. But, you know, they could have just been hanging out because he had a pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'll hang out with my former lover in my, my moonlit pool. That's true. What I'm saying is he was definitely fucking her. Mm. Yeah. yeah, without question. Tom. Liam. Too much vaping. What are we to do about it? Too much of it. Too... In the streets, in the sheets. Oh, gosh. I hate it when I'm having intimate time with a man or a woman. Intimate Tom, they call you. Yeah, well, that's what, that is my my <laughs> sexual nickname. My, my sexual nom de plume. You just hate getting vape blown up your ass. Yeah. Pretty much. I like things. (laughs) I like having my ass packed, but not with smoke. Okay, good. Well, Tom, our next sponsor are a perfect, have made a perfect product to eradicate any vaping nuisance. Okay. They are called the Douche Away Laser Lighter. (laughs) What the fuck does this do, Liam? So what it is, it's You're like, gonna it's have like to explain the, size, the science of this So it's like me. the size of a lighter. This is very well thought out, and it wasn't just thought out in the three seconds of when you said it's your turn to do the app this week. I want to... This is real science, okay? Good to know. Good to know. It's a little lighter. It's like the size of a lighter. And you can, like, you know, light your cigarettes with it if need be. But mm. what it's really good for is it looks like a little taser thing. And you put it in a big cloud of vape, 
and it uh, catches the vape on fire. Oh, And wow. it blows the vape up in the vapor's face. And oh, then they look like Daffy Duck after a bomb blew their beak off. You know what has been missing from all of my sexual experiences? Pyrotechnics. Ah, pyrotechnics. That's, yes. yes. Like uh, what I imagined banging the Mythbusters. When, <laughs> when I'm blowing up somebody's cock and or pussy, I need, Dude, I need blow, don't a blow little. Don't pussy. If you get air bubbles in there, it's really bad. <laughs> I need don't a little. Laugh. That's safety. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. Yeah. I need a little pizzazz in my lovemaking, and we fucking spice our love lives up. It's 2017, and you know, and you know, and you know, the man, the man is coming down to tell you when, where, and how you can fuck. And you know what? It's time to protest. And you know how you do that? How? Lighten your fucking vape <laughs> juice on fire while you're blasting ass. I didn't want this ad to be as sexual as it got. <laughs> But it seemed like I should never have said in the sheets, but yes. Enter the product code Media Majors and you get a knife that you can stab a fedora off of someone. <laughs> Tell me a fucking story. <laughs> fucking ass blasting while blowing vapes up. <laughs> After we talk about suicide. Oh, God. Very tasteful, this podcast. Liam. Tom. Donkey. Shrek! Yep, that was what I was referencing. Dragon? Do you what do you know about the last guardian? Uh well I know that he was the there was a second to last guardian before him, the penultimate guardian. Yes. And then The Last Guardian is a video game designed by Team Eco. The lead designer, Fumito Fumito Ueda. And this developer and, and Fumito Ueda specifically as a as a lead has have a legacy of making these really artistically challenging games, of really pushing the boundaries of the video game medi medium. Like a painting, but made with, like, toenails and pubic hair. Make a uh, statue of cigarettes. Oh, yeah. wow. That'll it's a, fucking show It's them. a model of a city, but I made it out of trash. This is my... I'm, I'm Banksy, and I'm gonna go to war-torn Palestine and... Spray paint a sad little girl in a pile of rubble. No, no. That'll fucking show him. Wouldn't Banksy, if he was in a third world culture, just like spray paint good things? That'll show these people. Yeah. Team Eco has made some really interesting games, uh, starting with. Sorry, is it Eco. a guy named Team Eco? Is it Team Eco? It's Team Eco. Cool, that's what I thought. Starting with. Starting Eco. with a game called Eco. Uh, and then followed up by Shadow of the Colossus, which is one of, I think, my favorite games of all time. I think it's one of the best video games ever made. You know, it has a lot of, like, meta-narrative going on, in addition to some really in-depth, challenging stuff that you, you have to wrestle with as a, as a player and as a consumer of narrative. The Last Guardian is their most recent game. Came out just last year, at the very end, holiday 2016, but it began development way back in 2007 as Project Trico after Ueda notices the way that players bond with their horse, Agro, in or, Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, or Atreyu in The NeverEnding Story. There you go. It's it, Dude, it, that is not pulled, a bad analogy. Pulled that. I saw, I saw the gears turning. I was like, what is the name of that movie about the story that doesn't end? Buzz. Benjamin <laughs> Button. <laughs> Buzz and hype begins to build when PlayStation Lifestyle publishes a leaked video of the project's target render in 2008. 
a target render, for those unaware, is a... It's essentially... Like a, a demo reel. Yeah, a tech demo of what the game hopes to look like. Uh, though the overall quality will likely scale down because, they're, they, you know, it's it's a pitch. It's a pitch video, you know? Here's here's our idea. Here's our concept. Here's what we're going for visually. Here's, a you know, some money that I'm sliding into your warm front pocket. Ooh. Ooh. Such warm thighs you have, Mr. Business, Mr. Venture Capitalist. 98.7 degrees Fahrenheit. Just just, 0.1 degree too hot for me. But just 0.2 degrees below eroticism. Mm. So 98.9? There you go. That's eroticism? That's eroticism. Write that down, everybody. That's when you know, that's when you know it's fucking on. Paper burns at 451 degrees Fahrenheit. (laughs) Water boils at 100 <laughs> degrees Celsius, and the temperature of erotica is 98.9. And the human being starts to get fucking wet at 98.9 degrees Not 90, Fahrenheit. Not 98.69 for 20 degrees. Fuck you. Then the game officially premieres at E3 2009 with the trailer and and a holiday 2011 release date for the PlayStation 3. I thought you were going to say a hologram of Tupac talking now, about the game. you'll notice that the game did not in fact come out holiday 2011. It came out last, it came out like two weeks ago. It did. Well, yeah. I remember this. So you might want to ask what happened. No, because the story. I want to end this early. The story. I want to go home. The story of the Last Guardian is interesting. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of games great mythic. Oh yeah, projects. there's all those owls, and they're like, we guard Gahoo, <laughs> motherfucker. It's it's sort of akin to Half Life Three, where everybody was like, when's it coming out? And nobody knew. So here's the Has story. Has Half Life Three come out yet? Absolutely fucking not. Actually, uh, it never will, right? Game, yeah, it, it's probably never going to come out. Game Informer's Andy Reiner, Andrew Reiner, <laughs> I just called him Andy. Hey, um, your best friend. Uh, just put out an uh, interview he did with an anonymous Valve employee about Half Life Three and and sort of how it started getting developed and then stopped and Weird. what it might have looked like. Valve is just not interested in making that game. It's so strange to me. It'll probably happen in like 20 years or something. Anyhow, people lose their fucking minds when Last Guardians announced E3. I feel like I haven't communicated what Team Ico is. It is, it's like Wes Anderson. But, oh, But yeah. good, but good. I like Wes Anderson. Ah, I'm not a fan. Um, nah. where, where he's, where, where Team Ico makes these like really like interesting, striking, bold, ambitious. Like, I don't like Wes Anderson, but I'll, I'll give his movies that. Um, I love Fantastic Mr. Fox. Okay, I do like that one. Everyone likes Fantastic Mr. Fox. T. Maiko makes these games that are like nothing else. And they're published by Sony. And Sony rolls them out at E3. At fucking E3. And Sony uh, has always sort of like taken care to spotlight mainstream indies, I guess you could say. But not in the way that they do with T. Maiko. T. Maiko is like one of the the most successful mainstream indie style developers in gaming today and and for a while now so people are fucking really excited mm-hmm. because they do super cool stuff with their games the last guardian is absent from e3 the following year <gasps> 
It does make a gameplay appearance at the 2010 Tokyo Game Show and GDC, that's Game Developers Conference, mm-hmm. 2011. But, you know, hype has been built and everything seems to be going according to plan, but behind closed doors, development is troubled. We got a case of Chinese democracy. The president of... Of uh, president of Sony's worldwide studios for Sony Interactive Entertainment, Shuhei Yoshida, everybody's favorite video game dad. Shuhei Yoshida, oh oh, Shuhei Yoshida, whoa. He considers he considers the development to be going kind of slow. He actually later reveals in 2015 that the E3 2009 trailer was in fact in fact, specced up, meaning that the actual trailer ran at a much lower frame rate, but was sped up so that way it would look presentable. Uh, this is, this is, by the way, a kind of a common thing at E3 is, is because E3 is not about, e- it's about showing off what you, what you've got coming. Yeah. Not, it's not what you have. It's about hype. It's yeah. about it's E3 is a giant pitch isn't to consumers. Strange? Not strange, but isn't that I guess it's like it's so weird how it's so weird how it's almost the hype around a game announcement can seem bigger than when the game comes out. Oh yeah, for sure. Just look at No Man's Sky. Yeah. That game was all hype and <laughs> to be honest with you, no game. E3 is about getting people excited for a product. And I mean like like a famous story, it, it, there's all sorts of trickery that goes on behind the scenes. A famous story is for Uncharted 2. There Nathan was and Drake goes to the restroom. Yes, there was some glitch where on his way to, to the pee in the toilet, the the game would all like basically like everything would turn different shades of purple, and it would happen randomly. And the developers at Naughty Dog had no fucking idea why it was happening, so they had a second person. Sounds like a real grimace situation. They had a second person <laughs> playing along behind the scenes, so if the game fucking glitched out, they could just swap the video feed to that second person and they didn't have to fortunately but like that's the sort of stuff and thinking that goes into presentation at e3 mm-hmm. additionally sony uh or team ico it's not totally clear felt that the game was straying too far from the original vision uh which they realized they had made frogger yeah 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 <laughs> Oh, the bird dog tries to cross the road and gets hit by a car oh fuck we enter the konami code <laughs> <laughs> there are it, still shut down there are still cars in the video game the last guardian but they you cannot really squint for them yeah it's lightning mcqueen at some point in 2011 sony attaches other core development teams from santa monica studios to assist in the development of this game so basically to review the code and improve performance not to not to change what the game was trying to be but but you know to shave off some of those sharp edges yeah then the decision is made to delay the game beyond its 2011 release date oof and delays happen a lot with games but this was different this was not ah you know we need a few more months to polish this bad boy up to shine the shoes this was this game's we need yeah 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 we need we need to push it back because it is flat out unfinished there there are a couple reasons you know development issues as stated but also the ps4 is just about to be announced this is this is late 2011 sony is knows that the ps4 is going to get announced in 2012 and and they want 
well, not only do they want it to be able to, the game to run better and be more fully realized, um, huge part of the Last Guardian is is your bird dog Trika's AI, and the biggest jump from the last generation to this generation in terms of hardware is is you know graphical obviously, but mainly artificial intelligence is mm-hmm. vastly improved, and it's something you notice from last generation to this generation. Um, but also, you know, Sony's a big publisher. They they got they got business on their mind, and they want a flagship title. Fucking the sequel to Shadow of the Colossus to be on the PS4. They want people who played Shadow of the Colossus, who played Ico, who played, who love Team Eco's games, to go. Oh shit! The Last Guardian's on PS4. Gotta get me a goddamn PS4. Gotta get me one of those, babies. Ooh, gotta get me. Ooh, listen to that baby. Harleen. <laughs> I need. I need a PS4. Trico, I need to bet you. I'm so old. However, Ueda has said that pushing the game to the PS4 was mostly Sony's decision as he thought the PS3 could have still accurately conveyed his vision. Hmm. This this means... I mean, do you like Trico to be a, just a gray trapezoid? Because then <laughs> it totally could have worked. This means that Team Ico is less involved with development, for now at least, because most of development right now is outsourced to teams like Santa Monica, actually including uh, architect of the PS4, Mark Cerny, you know, I, I I don't think that Sony handled this well, but they threw top brass at porting this game to the PS4. They do, well, le- they did legitimately want this to be like a, a good, good game. game. Yeah. yeah, and it seems like Team Ico just didn't have the PS4 code experience yet. Well, yeah. not experience, but just like, yeah. Yeah, well, experience. every, you know, every new console generation, developers have to feel their way out, you know? For, the, for for right now in this stage of development, it's mostly dedicated towards, I don't want to say porting, but ad- adapting the code from the PS3 to the PS4. Gotcha. Which, you know, it's it's like translating language where, where you know, you can't just have somebody who knows PS4 code. you got to have people who, you no know. PS3 yeah. code and PS4 code. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. I'm already stressed out, and I have no involvement with this. Um, then Fumito Ueda departs from Sony which shakes confidence in the project. Shake, shake, shake. Uh, he remains on as a freelancer, which isn't wholly uncommon. You'll remember from the Metal Gear Solid uh, Hideo Kojima episode. Nope, he, he was on as a freelance consultant. Or yeah, something. and this is different because Ueda remained on in, in a voluntary <laughs> context as opposed to Hideo Kojima, who is basically held hostage by yeah. a company. Other team members start to follow suit. Executive producer uh, Yoshifusa Hayama, as well as other various members, all depart as well. Again, a lot of these people remain freelancing, but it's it's not the same. Mm-hmm. It's not their game anymore, per se. Gotcha. It's a fascinating um, story. And this is all on the record as in response to Sony's decision to move the game to the PS4. Right. This was not coincidence or something like that. Um, Ueda stated in a 2013 interview that his departure was due to, quote, a sense of crisis within myself about a lot of things, end quote, on news of the delay. Mm -hmm. Whenever you're working on a collaborative project and it's your baby and that and that control is like taken away from you, especially for a long period of time, it's hard to stay in the saddle. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then for about two years, we don't really hear anything about Last Guardian. Mm-mm. That's bad. That's bad news. That's bad in video games. That usually means, like, not happening. And people, not just consumers, but press, really think that this game is canceled. There are no appearances at E3s. Uh, no concrete development updates from Sony. That's the most worrying. GameStop starts canceling pre-orders. Oh boy! The, I mean, like that's when you know it's fucked up. Yeah, like GameStop, GameStop, they're greedy little buggers. Yeah, they want money from the pre-orders, and if they're canceling pre-orders, like fucking, that means they're giving money back. Exactly, and like, like they don't want that. They're a fucking business, yo. In 2012, since Sony had yet to provide a viable product under trademark law, the trademark comes into uncertainty. Jesus. In February 2015, they straight up forget to renew the trademark. Like, this game had been in development hell for so fucking long. This game was a redheaded stepchild. Yeah. Uh, like Andrew. <laughs> and, and, and... I thought you were, uh... <laughs> I thought you went to Brown. Who have um, been sending the checks to Brown to? Well, Dad, my name's not Andrew. It's Ryan. Shut up, Lester. I'm <laughs> thinking. Is your mother the dead one? <laughs> no, my mom's been suing you because you haven't paid her her alimony for years and years Quiet, and years. Quiet, uh, Gertrude. Daddy's, daddy's horny. <laughs> I gotta think. Daddy's gonna go fuck his new bitch. <laughs> Whoa! Earl, get out of here. Sorry, Andrew. My, my buddy Earl is staying with us, and he is unseemly. This was explicitly an administrative oversight. Like, literally, like they literally just forgot to renew the trademark. But that also speaks to the value of the property within Sony yeah. at that point. You know, they didn't let the trademark uh, go on, not having their emails hacked by Korea. <laughs> <laughs> Sony, as well as developers uh, from Team Ico, continue to reassure the public that the game is still in development. But, like, you know, we've all seen this happen before. Like, oh, no, 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 we're still working on it. Everything, everything in business is a pitch. You're not, you're not going to go to your investors and be like, yeah, guys, our game is, like, wicked fucked. Like, <laughs> a, like, shit, like, the office caught fire last week. We had a flood, which helped to put out the fire. Yes, because we did not do it ourselves. In, but in that moment, the flood was welcomed. Yeah. And it wasn't until a couple hours after we were like, oh, all our, all our office snacks. Mm, a bit of a sticky wicket we're in. Oh, God, I hate our boss. He always says things are sticky wickets. Um, so... Nobody knows what's really going on with this game. And and to be honest with you, Carmen Sandiego is still missing. Yeah. We don't ever expect to see it. Uh, then, at E3 2015, much to the joy and relief. Wait, which year? 2015. Okay. Of the press and the games playing public, The Last Guardian makes a triumphant reappearance. There is a trailer. There is gameplay. It exists. Though much of the footage itself is simply improved, aesthetically improved versions of previously seen footage, this is fucking huge. This, like, does not happen. Yeah, I can imagine. The la And the last time that this happened was with Duke Nukem Forever, which was a fucking garbage game. Not only was it garbage, it was, like, such a product of the late 90s and early 2000s in that it is horribly racist and sexist. 
And at long last, The Last Guardian is released holiday 2016 after nearly a decade in development. Two mixed, two positive reviews. Mm -hmm. Um, Sweet, sweet B minus. Yeah. You know what? And for a game that spent that long in development hell and was not total fucking trash, I'm kind of happy. I have, you know, personal qualms with the way that the game structures itself, but Trico... The animal who is your friend is my fucking friend. And if you step to Trico, I'll fucking stab you broad daylight and let you bleed out in the street. I'm not fucking joking. What if Trico gets in a fight with your metal boyfriend from Titanfall? Oh, well, Trico, obviously. I love my huge metal boyfriend, (laughs) but he's a robot. He's an AI. He can be replaced. Okay. You know? I just wanted to ask. Trico is my one and only. And, and he, he's one of the starters from Ruby and Sapphire. And he also has a butthole. So Very I can important. definitely have sex with him. And on that note. Yep. <laughs> this has been another episode. Of Butthole Brigade. Yep. Of Media Majors. Thank you for tuning in. Plugs. Check out our plugs page for all your plug related needs. Follow me on Twitter. Yep. Follow us on Twitter at Media Majors Cast corrections send them in if you want stories send them in if you'd like just keep being you yeah keep being real stay safe in 2017 you know what i'm i I, i've come up with a mantra for the year which is something i've never done before what's your mantra do your part oh i remember you telling me this 2017 do Do your your part part. we'll be here for you we'll be there for you